As I was thumbing through my little pile of readings this evening, I stumbled on a a further elaboration on the generosity, the practice of this uh, stream of giving that has really brought the teachings alive, allowed them to be shared heart-to-heart, mind-to-mind for over 2,000 years, and how they've always been freely offered for a variety of reasons, but this spirit of generosity runs to the, the deepest, uh, deepest core of our universe, you could say. This is from Brian Swim. He says, The sun each second transforms four million tons of itself into light. Human generosity is possible only because at the center of the solar system, a magnificent stellar generosity pours forth free energy day and night without stop, without complaint, without the slightest hesitation. So this human expression of generosity is just our own version of of this outpouring of, of light, of love. So... It's another reminder that we don't exist independently apart from the all of life, flow of life. As I was sitting tonight, I was thinking about a that upcoming retreat that Mary spoke about, the how the, the retreat that I'm going to be leading in mid-June. It's entitled, Loving the House that Ego Built. And it's, uh, of course, there are many different ways that we can understand the house that ego built. But it was all, that phrase that came to my mind was based on a, a famous utterance of the Buddha, the first song of awakening that the Buddha shared after, after he had his uh, recognition of nirvana, nibbana, the unconditioned when he recognized that the very freedom that he had been searching for uh, was none other than the very nature of his own heart-mind, that the nature of mind is unconditioned, unborn, deathless. And at that moment of, of awakening to the deathless, uh, to the unborn, to the unconditioned, he was able to see that the, all the edifices that he had built, that had been built through conditioning, the, the sense of oneself, the house that ego built, uh, was from an ultimate sense, from a meditative sense, he saw that it was uh, without foundation. It was empty. It was insecure. It was, it was not, a, not a reliable refuge. And it was a, you could call it a house of insecurity, the house of ego. And that if you are born into a view of yourself, uh, otherwise known as self-view or ego, or have that orientation of being somebody, you inevitably, what comes with that is a feeling of, um, to some degree, of insecurity. Because the house that ego builds... The house of the, the self-view, the Buddha called that Sakaya Ditti, 
the self-view is um, built around our body, this physical body, that is, um, that is a beautiful thing, an amazing instrument, but it, is, it has a shelf life. It's a rent-a-body. It is a, it is a, um, it's a house of insecurity, this body. It gets, you can't tell it to, uh, not to age, you can't tell it not to get sick, and you can't tell it not to die. Or you can tell it those things, but it operates according to its own laws, not according to anyone's will or wish. In spite of our best attempts to take care of it, it does operate according to its own life, its, its own laws. So that as a house, uh, it is a, um, it's a shaky house. Even though it, it is such a marvelous anchor to the, to the present, paradoxically, such a great uh, focus for our attention to help us to be able to see more clearly the nature of our body, it's wonderful to put our mind in our body. And it also, there are so many byproducts to putting our mind in our body and our body in our mind as we, we experience uh, the sense of unity, we, we experience a sense of, of wholeness and fullness, we experience a brightening of our, of our awareness, we, so many benefits, we experience a, a an opening to our, to our tenderness and to, we, we experience an openness to what other people experience by being in a body. But yet, this body as, uh, what a, as a, such a wonderful source of wisdom and insight and liberation is also something that we cannot rely on. So that house that ego builds around our body, not so great. I happen to, in the same folder, found tonight the the um, little scientific printout about the, the selflessness of our body, the, uh, the not-in-controlness of our body. And I'll just read a, a bit of this list and maybe you'll get the feeling for it. You know, we always think, this is me, this is mine. And in the conventional relative sense, yes, this is my body and you have your body and we... But when we look more deeply, meditatively at our body, we see this body doesn't really belong to anybody. It, it doesn't really have an owner. But anyway, here we go. Human beings spend a third of their lives sleeping. Every person has a unique uh, tongue print. There's enough iron in the human body to make one small nail. A cough releases an explosive charge of air that moves up to 60 miles per hour. Sneezes travel over 100 miles per hour. It takes 17 muscles to smile and 43 to frown. It takes approximately 200,000 frowns to create one permanent brow line. <laughs> Be careful. <laughs> the average person speaks about 31,500 words per day. Every breath we inhale billions of atoms that end up as heart cells, kidney cells, brain cells, etc. The average adult is made up of 100 trillion cells. If you unwound and joined the DNA from the genes of the cells, it would fit into an ice cube. The string would stretch 80 billion miles. That is from the earth to the sun and back 400 times. 
The body gives birth to 100 billion red cells every day. Each square inch of the body is populated by 32 million bacteria that are born and die in it. Humans shed 600,000 particles of skin every hour, about 1.5 pounds a year. By 70, an average person will lose 105 pounds of skin. Most dust particles in your home are made from dead skin. The body makes a new stomach lining every five days. Body makes a new liver every six weeks. The body replaces new head hair every two to five years. The body replaces new eyebrows that consist of 450 hairs every three to five months. The body grows new skin once a month. The body replaces a new skeleton every seven years. 50,000 cells in your body will die and be replaced with new cells all while you listen to this sentence. (laughs) Radioactive isotope studies show that the body replaces 98% of its atoms in less than one year. So, if you think you are your physical body, which body are you talking about? So this is something that we can know directly, meditatively. We can experience the nature of the of body and its, and its ever-changing flow. Uh, we could study it scientifically and discover the same thing, but through a different kind of examination. If you put our body under a microscope and you turned up the power high enough, you would not find anything but space. You wouldn't find anything. So because of the, a kind of optical delusion of consciousness, because of the proximity of our usual observation, we experience our bodies as solid and, and secure. And in fact, uh, that's, not a, that's a, what we could call, if you have excessive identification with your body, a case of mistaken identity. So it's the same the same uh, mistaken identity that um, builds the house of, of self around our moods, our emotions, our thoughts about ourselves, our personal stories, which are so extraordinary, how they are formed just like the, the outpouring of the, of the cosmic generosity that our mind is made up of everything that has ever happened. And more immediately in our family conditioning and our, our cultural conditioning and so many things that we hear and see and smell and touch every day and learn. That's what makes up our mind stream and our story and our personal story is made up of where we fit in relationship to all the other uh, individuals. And, and yet the story that plays through our mind which is the, probably the central area where the house of ego gets reinforced, that sense of ourselves. That story is also because it's mostly thinking. It's mostly of the past or imagining the future. It uh, it's, doesn't have any substantiality to it. It's got no reality. And and as we realize very immediately as our, after our last thought has passed and before the next one comes, who are you if you don't reference that little story? 
you see that story, it depends on, on, uh, on memory. And memories, if, if you know anyone that's aging or know any, anyone that's even my age, at 61, I'm starting to have gaps in memory. And, and they, those gaps get bigger and bigger. And I can no longer maybe rely on my personal story or I can't remember that person's name who gave, keeps all those people that, have, that I've known that remind me who I am. They, we stop getting mirrored, so that, that's not a very reliable house either, the house of self. But yet, in the conventional sense, the house of self, the house of ego, is the conventional sense of you feeling like you are an individual. And we never would want to deny that because and an individual has these bodies, it has moods, has thoughts, and those thoughts are very personal, very individual. And we, maybe in the ultimate sense, those are, those are not very reliable. They are, they're really empty. They're, they're ever-changing and they just, they, um, they, it's a very, it's a house of insecurity. Nevertheless, that's what makes up, a, that's part of what makes up an individual human being. And the individual human being is celebrated in the teachings of awakening, in the teachings of the Buddha. It's celebrated each individual with this fathom-long body, with its perceptions and senses, mind, etc. It's celebrated in that this is the, this is the doorway to to, it's both the doorway to all the aches and pains that come with being a human being, but it's also, also the doorway to awakening. And the Buddha used this, this sense of a house in this famous utterance, this same famous song of awakening, but he also used it when he was describing the building blocks of making one's house, one's individual human house, a house of awakening making it a house that, that is, each of our houses as beautiful, as ornamented with, with love and compassion and goodwill and clarity and all the human qualities that can be built by the training of our hearts and minds to live in the present moment and to care, to both notice and care about what we're doing with our speech, with our thoughts, with our, with our, um, with our actions and to, that, we, that there's actually th- ways to make this house, while we're here, a house of awakening, a house of liberation, and a house of, of service, of justice, of, of truth. And you even hear in the teachings that uh, they move in the direction is not so much that, to, build a, uh, to build a better self, but to, to live, to, but to learn to live not a life of self, but a life of truth. And to live a life of, of kindness and non-harming. So when, I w- when Mary was offering the Dana talk tonight, I was thinking of the three pillars of the Dharma. Now you think of three pillars of the Dharma, you've heard the, this expression, it's sometimes called the three pillars of the Dharma. That reminds me of a, of a house with pillars or a building with pillars. The three building blocks of the Dharma or pillars of the Dharma are the first one is dana, cultivating the, in that making our house of self 
just filled with that quality of giving in every possible way that we can practice generosity in our life. As simple as being that one person that each person you pass, you smile at. It doesn't mean falsely, but it's, it's making the, volition, you know, the volitional intention to bring, to offer something to each person that you see. I don't know how it happened, and it's conditioning, but I've, I have that habit of smiling when I meet people, when I see people. And I know that, that some, of, some of the gladness that I've experienced in my life is a result of that simple thing that's not my fault. I didn't even plan it. It was something about cultural conditioning or familiar. I don't know what it was. But I smile. Something happens to me. Something happens to another person. And that goes on. And hopefully that person smiles at somebody else. I know that a simple smile, that simple, what can be a, an act of generosity, has ripples beyond what we can even imagine. So it, it can start with a smile, but it can be in so many ways that we train our, our hearts and minds to incline toward generosity, generosity of spirit, giving our time, giving our resources, giving our caring, giving whatever it is that that you can give, that's within your realm of giving, to have this pillar building every day, getting stronger and stronger. How can I cultivate generosity today? Now, we talk about it every Tuesday as, as Donna for an evening at Mission Dharma or Donna for me. And that's just one element of it. It's just a, a tiny element. Of course, that it's, it creates a beautiful a beautiful relationship. It's not just that kind of fee-for-service thing. So it's a lovely thing that, that carried the teachings. But it's meant to be a teaching, a reminder of the power of generosity to bring joy in this world, to bring joy to the giver, joy to the receiver, uh, to, to not let a, as the Buddha said, not let a single meal pass without sharing it. And I don't know, when you think of this, Think of ways that you can be generous in your life. If you woke up every morning thinking, okay, what, instead of what can I get? What can I give? What are people giving me? What support are people providing me? What, what uh, love am I getting? What, uh, you know, that's our usual thing is, you know, a, a kind of hunger. And that's innocent too because many of us feel, feel deficient in some way. But part of our practice is to provide generosity to ourselves and then provide generosity to others. I always think of the people who show up on Tuesday night. Just the fact that you're here is an act of generosity. You may have come here with the thought, I'm here to see if I can get some teachings and get some practice, do some practice. But just the fact that you show up, you lift everybody here. Now, how much more so if you actually consider that, that you consider coming here to support other people practicing. It just makes your heart happy. And then there's, then it, it's almost a sure thing. But if you come here thinking that you need to get something, then you'll be measuring. Am I, am I getting something? Am I having a good sitting tonight? Am I having a bad sitting? 
And that we're measuring good, better, best. And we're back into the house, the imaginary house of ego that's, that's never quite satisfied. But if I'm here just to support other people practicing, I've won, I've, I've, I've won the prize already. I'm, I've, and I'm building a pillar that makes my... I, I settle into my body with a gladness in my heart, and I go, oh, it's great. I showed up, and I'm supporting... Does this resonate at all? Yeah, it's just, I get to have that feeling. I showed up. Happy. Happy to be able to serve in my role. You, you have a role, too. There. No one role is any better than any other. It's all generosity, and even more so if you think about it that way. And one of the things that the Buddha said over and over, what... what Whatever one frequently dwells upon becomes the inclination of the mind. Now, what could be a better thing to dwell upon than having generosity of spirit, generosity of, of just having thoughts of generosity? And it's always, it is reliable that it is a gift to the giver, a gift to the receiver. Everybody benefits. Second pillar of the Dharma, we come together, you in the, throughout your life. Uh, if you want to build a very healthy house of, of self in that conventional sense and also create the ground for liberation, for that sure heart's release where you see through the whole uh, insecurity of the house that ego built. But we have to have that paradox. You have to have a secure, solid foundation of practice, of uh, you have to have a solid house before you can actually break it down again. That's a strange thing. You've heard the expression, you have to have a self before you can, you can get rid of it. But we, when we talk about a self, it's, that, it's the quality of being, feeling more whole, feeling more settled. And what settles us more than, than resting in what the Buddha called the bliss of blamelessness, where we're, we're for the, as much as possible, we are practicing uh, non-harming speech, non-harming action. We are, we're not exploiting anyone with our, in our sensual relationships. We're not stealing. We're not clouding our mind with the excessive use of intoxicants. We're, our hearts are open. Our minds are clear. We're not reverberating from the effects of having caused somebody harm, at least to the extent that we're not able to really take in the sense of, of immediacy of life and feel our, our place in the family of things, we're life, right where life is touching us. We're, we're open. We're here. And that comes, that's one of the joys and the pleasures that comes from being non-harming. It's one of the pillars of the Dharma. And we give each other. It's, an, it's another act of generosity. How do you build a beautiful... Um, how does the ego build a beautiful house? You practice non-harming. And then when you think about yourself, you go, yeah, I, I, I don't have anything that I have to feel... that I have to feel guilty about, remorseful about. Uh, now, I don't know if anybody gets to this point in your life without being a little guilty or remorseful or 
sad about something you said or did, but we can remember that, yeah, we will experience the fruits of what we practiced before, but we have this power because the present reality is an open field of creative possibility. We have a chance right here to plant a seed that, uh, of non-harming that will inevitably bear fruit as a house, a house that ego built will be much more pure in our actions. We just will stop causing harm and life will give you the feedback that, that you are um, safe. You're a safe person. You're, you're safe with yourself and you're safe with others. And, or others feel safe with you. The Buddha called that the gift of fearlessness where people don't have to be afraid of you. So the house that ego built, built on, on Donna, built on Sila, and then what builds the, the, what is so important for building that house that can ultimately be broken down, ultimately be seen through, is uh, the third pillar of the Dharma, which is called bhavana, or uh, the training of our mind, meditation. The training of our attention moment by moment to navigate the, the world in all its elements, not only our, our actions, but to learn how to train our, our mind to, to dwell one-pointedly in our body, to sharpen our con- continuity of mindful attention so that we see with such precision the flow of experience that we're no longer confused about how life is. And what the Buddha did was he saw, after he developed that kind of continuity of awareness, he saw, and I think I talked about this last week, he saw the common characteristics of everything that appears in life, including every human being. And he saw that whatever arises passes away. And he saw that bodies arise and pass away, moods arise and pass away, thoughts arise and pass away. That anything that arises and passes away has no ultimate security in it. And it is, and that process that's happening of things arising and passes away, passing away is happening all by itself. It is a, the world is a selfless process. It's empty of self. Empty of an owner. And so when the Buddha let out his song, he said, O house builder. He said, through many rounds, through many, uh, through many lives in the wandering on, I ran seeking but not finding the maker of this house. O house builder, you've been seen. You shall not build a house again. Your rafters are broken. Your ridgepole destroyed. And rafters are, are um, the defilements, the, the, all, the, all the things that, um, that we mistakenly view as something substantial. And the ridgepole is ignorance. We see through the whole, we see through the illusion of security. So the rafters are broken, the ridgepole destroyed, 
the mind gone to the unconditioned, to craving, craving or clinging to this house. That craving and clinging to this house comes to an end. Now, I translated it in my own way just now so I can make it understandable. But. So we do two things simultaneously. We build our house, the house that ego built. We build it with kindness. We build it with purity of action, with purity of mind, purity of view. We build it with generosity. We build it with with generating you know love and compassion but we do that 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 creates the foundation for being able to develop bhavana being able to meditate if you don't if you don't have that first part purity of action if you don't if you're not if you don't have the a gladdened spirit a, a certain kind of purity of your of action the way it's often talked about is it's trying to it's like Trying to meditate, trying to practice bhavana is like trying to row a boat without untying it from the dock. You're just not going to get anywhere. So building that house that is pure of heart, pure of mind, then makes it possible, bhavana, to be able to use the power of mind to see through the self-illusion, to realize for ourselves what is that there is nothing in this world worth clinging to as me or mine. And as the Buddha said in his, one of his most, most pithy instructions, nothing whatsoever should be clung to as I, me, or mine. Whoever has heard this teaching has heard the entire teaching. Whoever has realized it, whoever has practiced it, has practiced the entire teaching. Whoever has realized this has realized the fruit of the Dharma, the entire teaching. Nothing whatsoever should be clung to as me, my, and mine. And so you can hear perhaps by this is that, um, that it's not just all about seeing through the house, the, the house of self. It's also about building a, 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 um, a, a happy life, a generous life, a kind life, a meditative life. And so that you don't have to wait till the, till the, um, till the sure heart's release. You can be, you can have some pleasure and happiness, some lightness of heart, all the way along the line. You don't have to get caught up in the ideal, the expectation of the full and complete liberation. But you aim there, and you let all the other kinds of pleasures, all all the other kinds of ornaments of a good life. Um, Flourish as you're awakening. Have fun with it. So tomorrow, this next week, let's, let's work on the three pillars of the Dharma. Dana, Sila, Bhavana. Sila is ethics and morality. Bhavana, meditation. Dana, generosity. And uh, I think we'll all be okay. So let's see if there's anything I want to read. So I like this very 
simple little question and answer session with Ajahn Chah, Venerable Ajahn Chah, Thai Forest Master, because it, it, both, it both includes a deep insight into the nature of reality, but also the naturalness of being mindful in every element of our life, in every part of our life. A questioner comes to Ajahn Chah and says, I still have so many thoughts. My mind wanders a lot, even though I'm trying to be mindful. He says, don't worry about this. Just try to keep your attention in the present moment. Whatever there is that arises in your mind, just notice it. Just let it be, let it go. Don't even be wish, wish to be rid of your thoughts. Then your mind will, be, will reach its natural state where there's no discriminating between good and bad, hot and cold, fast and slow, no me, no you, no self at all, just what there is. When you walk, there's no need to do anything special. Simply walk and see what there is. No need to cling to isolation or seclusion. Wherever you are, know yourself by being natural and noticing. If doubts arise, notice them. Come, notice them go. It's very simple. Hold on to nothing. It is as though you're walking down a road. Periodically, you will run into obstacles. When you meet defilements, just see them, overcome them by letting them go, letting them be. Don't think about the obstacles you've passed already. Don't worry about those you've not yet seen. Stick to the present. Don't be concerned about the length of the road or about a destination. Everything is changing. Whatever you pass, do not cling to it. Eventually, the mind will reach its natural balance where this practice is automatic. All things will come and go by themselves. Sitting for hours on end is not necessary. Some people think that the longer you can sit, the wiser you must be. I've seen chickens sitting on their nests for days on end. Wisdom comes from being mindful in all postures. Your practice should begin as soon as you awaken in the morning. It should continue until you fall asleep. Don't be concerned about how long you can sit. What is important is that you keep watchful, whether you are working or sitting or going to the bathroom. Each person has his or her own natural pace. Some of you will die at age 50, some at age 65, some at age 90. So too, your practice will not be all identical. Don't think or worry about this. Try to be mindful and let things take their natural course. Then your mind will become quieter and quieter in any surroundings. It will become still, like a clear forest pool. Then all kinds of wonderful and rare animals will come to drink at the pool. You will see clearly the nature of all things in the world. You will see many wonderful, strange things come and go, but you will be still. This is the happiness of the Buddha.
May all of you grow in the pillars of the Dharma and realize the stillness and the happiness of a Buddha. Let's just sit quietly. As we do most Tuesdays, we think about any of the blessings of our being together, any of the goodness, any of the benefits, any of the fruits, any merit, anything good from our being together, and we offer it freely to ourselves and all beings everywhere. We give it away freely. Act of generosity, act of caring and kindness. We send on a river of goodwill our deepest wishes that all beings can have happiness in their lives and the causes of happiness increasing. That all beings can be free of suffering and the causes of suffering decreasing. We share our practice with a wish that all beings can awaken to the highest happiness, which is peace, the unconditioned, the unborn, liberation within our hearts, and a deep wish that all beings can grow in serenity, equanimity, able to meet the inevitable joys and sorrows, the things, the people, and the situations near and afar that we can meet them without so much reactivity. And a deep wish that our practice today and every day be dedicated to the welfare and benefit of all. May all beings be free. May we all love the house that ego built. Thank you for your practice, your generosity, and go get them. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.